This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, Charles. Hello, hello. I'm going to throw a little scenario at you and get okay. a little bit of your take on how you would be in the zombie apocalypse, okay? Let's hear it. Okay, so here's a scenario. Zombie apocalypse. It's happening in a week. We've scheduled it. It's happening a week <laughs> from today. This, this, is, this is my scenario. I get to say what happens. So okay. in this scenario, you have time to prepare. You know, it's coming in a week. You get to kind of pick like what kind of person you are in the zombie apocalypse, what you want to prep for. And I want to know like you, Charles, who are you in the zombie apocalypse? Are we getting like alpha head of the pack uh, provides for all the, the little ones, Charles? Or are we like just hold up by yourself and hope no one ever finds you kind of Charles? What kind of Charles are you? Oh, I'm definitely by myself. The whole like, <laughs> oh, I can't, I, I I lost my mind by myself. No, 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 no. There's, there's none of that. There's no there's no need to bring any of that grief onto yourself. There's, the key to surviving the zombie apocalypse is um, a recurring theme that I talk about a lot on the show is common sense. Common <laughs> sense. Yep. And it's always when, it's always like little disagreements that people have that leads to like, no, I guess we are going to go into this clearly abandoned motel. No, 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 no. I'm very much of the strong opinion that what you need to do is be out in the woods by yourself with mm-hmm. your, you know, you need to have, I think you need to have a machete and your little pack and um, warm clothing and a map and a compass so that you can head north where it's cold because in the wintertime, maybe the zombies will freeze, but like yep. the city, you got to let that shit go. It's theirs now. Correct. Correct. I'm, I'm all for that. <laughs> we, we will be in separate cabins that are a good like few miles apart, but we'll like know each other's location. That's about as much as we'll have interaction. So we'll just smoke signals only. That's it. That's it. Okay, cool. We got it. Start the show. Let's go. Welcome to The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliam Moore, writer and culture critic at io9. And I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer for Rooster Teeth Productions. Today, talking about Zack Snyder's new film on Netflix, Army of the Dead. Zack Snyder's bringing a new zombie cinematic universe to Netflix, and Army of the Dead's the first chapter. This isn't the director's first go at the zombie genre, but we wanted to dig into the new movie and discuss what more there is to be done with these kind of stories about the undead. But first, we're rolling into cannon fodder, our quick breakdown of an interesting news story that's caught our attention this week. The new Eternals trailer today came out. God, it's 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 that classic Marvel tradition. Hey, Monday, everyone's like, ah, work. And then there it is, um, a whole Eternals teaser trailer. And it's like, all right, let's uh let's see what this is all about. And we've got um we've got a, a classic the hidden story of the heroes you never knew were there all along. Um, obviously, the Eternals are the classic Jack Kirby characters. Um, they are most closely associated with Jack Kirby. Um, a group of enhanced alien beings who have been living amongst humanity for millennia. Um, yeah. People with uh, your rather standard superpowers. Um, you know, their goal is to fight against the deviants and protect humanity. Um, and in this, you know, cinematic adaptation, that story is being incorporated into the MCU at a time when, I don't know, things are, I've, I've been thinking about this. Um, the MCU is kind of like in a state of flux right now. You know, the yeah. Avengers don't technically exist. And the trailer uh, does kind of poke fun at this. You're like, well, who's going to yeah. be the new leader of the Avengers? And it's like, excuse me, um, Eternals. That is a very good question, but not one that any of you should be concerned about. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a, another take of another time where i think marvel is like taking an opportunity to introduce a comic set that mm-hmm. no one knows like no one's familiar with yeah. um, and and it's this whole like culture and backstory and and group of people kind of like when they were like they had to interpret asgard and all that for the first mm-hmm. time um and I mean, from the looks of the trailer, it, it it looks very beautiful. These are all gorgeous human beings, all dressed quite fancily, um, being all immortal and all powerful <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's a diverse and fun uh, cast. Uh, you know, we've all been like, we all got teased with like buff Kumail Nanjiani, and then uh, apparently that was all we get. And then COVID happened, and <laughs> that's all that's all you get to see. You just get to see him shirtless, and that's it. 
I mean, we're, we're, we're definitely getting more Kumail Nanjiani in um, that Chippendales bio series that's coming up. I forget if it's a series or a movie, but there's plenty more of buff Kumail down um, the pipeline. Um, but what's, I don't know, what's really sort of been kicking around in my head about Eternals is, as much as I'm sure Marvel doesn't want to talk about it, this is, in my mind, like, oh, you're doing the Inhumans again, right? Like, this is what the yeah. Inhumans should have been. Um, yeah. There, it's common to joke that even amongst, like, hardcore comics fans, it's only a, not a select, but it's a small group of people who are really, like, into um, the Eternals who are, I think it's fair to say, a C-list team just in terms of their prominence. Uh, oh, they yeah. Will, you know, they do pop up occasionally, particularly in cosmic events that have to do with, you know, being some other planets and the like. Um, as is clear from the premise of this movie, they are a group who, despite being very powerful and long lived, don't always get involved. So they're kind of like, you know, they're kind of like the outer, so, uh, the, the outer sailor century. They only get involved when necessary. Um, but with this, it's kind of hard not to see, um, this majestic, um, multi-ethnic family of super beings being very much, um, what Jeff Loeb tried to do with the Inhuman series that, you know, spectacularly failed, um. I, I don't know if anyone remembers, but just as brief recap, it was a hybrid TV movie experiment where you could watch it on TV. Oh, God, it was a hybrid experiment. I forgot about that. There was the whole... And it was also in IMAX yeah. theaters, and it was just like, all right, is this actually going to amount to anything? And, you know, the writing was pretty much on the wall from the jump there, and the Inhumans, despite the fact that they were being propped up in Marvel's comics, never really took on any sort of prominence in the movies. Yeah. Um, like what you were saying, it's clear that um, the Marvel intends for the Eternals to become a big brand. People may not know who Icarus is now, but they certainly will, you know, come in a few months. Um, people will be able to tell the difference between Richard Madden and, and Sebastian Stan. Uh, two different men, same face. Um, and I, 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 I think it's just going to be really interesting to see how well it catches on because this first teaser trailer definitely seems like a big a big movie right we've got like 10 yeah. core 10 core eternals who all have something to do in this film and it's that classic all right like who do you identify with and you can latch on to as they pop up in more of these things and that that all makes sense on paper but in terms of whether or not it's going to work for this huge moving machine is the big question going forward yeah I, I like the look of it so far. That's all we've really seen of it. Um, tonally, it seems like they're they're going for something that's you know, you know, like you were saying, like um, uh, large, uh, serious, um, uh, a big scope. I mean, they even started definitely off with just these first looks. It's um, it's a Chloe Zhao film, and this is definitely a Chloe Zhao film from aesthetics. There was a big uh, hullabaloo about all the natural light in this, and it's like, oh yeah, this was definitely shot with sunlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's fun just in general to see a lot of these movies that have just been in, you know, flux in, 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 uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking, the world I'm looking for, uh, like coming into focus, not heaven, not hell <laughs> limbo, limbo. They've been in limbo. Yeah. Um, magic's world. Uh, they've been in limbo this whole time. And so like, it, it is like, oh yeah, I forgot we were supposed to get eternal. It's like, that's, that's what it seems like every time these movies, like I just saw, uh, that the quiet place is coming out on the 28th and, uh, the quiet place was uh, one of those early, movies. Yeah. It was literally the early screening of it mm -hmm, that I was invited mm -hmm, to, uh, mm -hmm. was canceled because of the first lockdown of COVID. And, uh, and so it's funny to see it like, Oh, coming out in a week. Um, yeah. The, the fact that this is going to be one of the first big pushes for a new, you know, for a new leg in this yeah. franchise with entirely new characters. There's a certain yeah. way that with the Black Widow hype, you can, you, you know, everyone knows um, Natasha, they see your face like, oh, sure, we're going back to Russia. And it kind of makes sense. But I was really struck watching this like, huh, I don't know who any of these people are. And it's right. not so much that my interest wasn't peaked. It was just that having been out of that, um, that hype movie cycle for so long where, you know, you just sort of exist in a culture that's always warning you about like, Hey, uh, the Eternals are coming. Um, it was just sort of like, huh, the Eternals are coming, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, let's, uh, talk uh, about another show that kind of made me go, huh? Um, <laughs> let's check out army of the dead. Let's. So this is actually a rare occurrence for the real canon. Um, actually, I think almost a first time occurrence where because of uh, Memorial Day, we had to record this uh, early. Mm. And the new occurrence is that um, this is a episode where uh, Charles and I have basically not done any pre-discussion or meetings about it together. Often we kind of uh, talk through a little bit of the episode, get a take from each other on like how we're feeling about the subject matter. We 
uh, collab on coming up with like a rough outline of the episode. And then we do it. We, we've done like a little bit of a rough outline, but I haven't talked to Charles about this movie at all. So this is going to be, you guys are going to hear, uh, our, our takes from each other and our reactions in real time. Now, see, the thing is like, I come to this with very deep and, um, complicated feelings about zombies, particularly like Zack Snyder's zombies. Um, it was not until I was a teenager that I realized that Zack Snyder's idea of zombies played a really big role in, uh, terrifying me as a child so this really? is really oh yes oh yes so what was his day 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 of the dead dawn of the dead day of, he, he did dawn of the dead from 2000 dawn of the dead remake. yeah yeah from 2004 i believe and with him was, and james gunn with him and james gunn um ty burrell is one of the stars in the movie weirdly enough and Mackay pfeiffer um and i goodness i had to have been 14 at the time and it <laughs> i don't know what possessed me to go see it i, <laughs> I really because I, I as much as i like uh, i like spooky things gore was never really sort of my bag and still isn't but somehow i ended up in a movie theater and it was that classic oh you are too scared and you should get up and leave but you know i was frozen in the seat and so i i the entirety of that movie is burned into my mind and really sort of messed me up for a long time but was also sort of my big jumping off point into becoming obsessed with zombies as a means of dealing with that fear you know because yeah you grow up you know i grew up rather with um night of the living dead being on the tv a lot Um, my mom was a fan of it and it was was on tv a lot and um it's just it was sort of one of the first films that i was introduced to where it's like here is a film that's trying to make a bit of really important social commentary within the context of a film that otherwise does not have anything to do with that commentary um it being you know about the the way uh, night of the living dead's plot uh, plays out um and so i i knew like oh like zombies zombies aren't necessarily scary zombies are subject matter for like thoughtful scares and that's i think that's kind of what i ended up going into the theater Mm. expecting (laughs) snyder's uh dawn of the dead to be but um that was not (laughs) that was not what that movie was in the least and i think that you can see a lot of Zack snyder's overall directorial sensibilities in that 2004 film which was very much a spiritual uh, like a remake um excuse me, of uh, the Dawn of the Dead from 1978. Um, yeah. It was very much a, that is a Zack Snyder-ass film. And I think you can see a lot of that energy in Army of the Dead in a way that's really sort of interesting because he's grown some as a film director. It, yeah, it was his directorial debut, I believe, was Dawn of the Dead, 2004? I think so. Um, it's funny you talk about uh, being in a movie theater and having uh, like a visceral reaction of mm. like the fight or flight instinct of like, I should go. Um I had that experience uh, when I was super young. Now, I, I'm, I, I, zombie movies are something that I had to seek out later on in life as an adult because I lived a very sheltered life uh, uh-huh. as a little, uh, a good little church boy with my dad's a pastor. And so that's, that's what I grew up in the church. Now I'm just gotcha. a raging bisexual atheist. Uh, I, so a lot, a lot of stuff I had to kind of find on my own later on in life and kind of, uh, you know, get find what I like and what I don't like through that mm-hmm. way. Instead of, uh, you, you talk about like it was in your home. Um, my, my girlfriend's the same way with like a lot of horror films where the horror films were like just playing at her house, which is mm-hmm. why she likes horror films. Um, so a lot of my zombie movies were later, but to t- talk to you about the getting, getting in a theater and having that visceral reaction. This is how sheepish I was. Mm. I had that reaction seeing independence day in theaters. Oh, God. <laughs> because, this is how easy it was to scare me. The scene where, um, uh, what's his name? Data Spader. Um, mm, I'm not a Star Trek person. Data, the doctor in, in Independence Day. He's the doctor who's like dissecting that one alien that they get. Sure. And then the alien wakes up, kills everybody in the room, makes the room all foggy, and then, uh, you know, chokes around Data and pushes him against the glass and is speaking through him. Uh-huh. That whole sequence got way too real. It, it, it got way too scary, way too fast. And it was like, I, I went, nope. And I was seeing it with a birthday party of people. Not my birthday, but with like a group of friends. And I left. And now you see what, what I find interesting about that is I remember that scene very vividly. Um, and I remember thinking how cool it was because I, I, I thought it was really cool and really like beautiful in a way because it was it was almost sort of like um, like an under an under sea setting, um, even though it was um, even though yeah, it was, in, uh, even it though was. in an office. But I will say this. I, I do understand that there was a kind of like 
um, horrific majesty to that scene when you see yeah. the aliens split open and all that nonsense. And yeah. I think that there is a very similar there's a very similar kind of vibe present in not just in Army of the Dead, but in the modern zombie movie that not just you see them running, but you do see these really close up shots of zombies just like biting into people's necks sure. and ripping the flesh out. Um, you know, Snyder's Dawn of the Dead was my first experience seeing something like that. And now it's become really commonplace um, in the genre. And I think that really does speak to Obviously, I don't think that Zack Snyder was the first film director to really sort of want to bring that energy to his zombie films. But I do think that that film, Dawn of the Dead from 2004, did a really good job in sort of normalizing the kind of um, what we would consider like normal zombies in most modern media. Right. Um, the idea was yeah. always that their volume was going to be what made them really um, dangerous. Um, and yeah. Dawn of the Dead said, all right, no, but what if they were what if there were large groups of them and they sprinted after you um, and they, you know, were going to feast on you? Um, I want to talk about Army of the Dead because even though this is not Snyder's um, first zombie movie, you're right, Dawn of the Dead was his directorial debut. Um, even though this is sort of, you know, tread ground for him, it is sort of a restarting, essentially, right? Um, we are introduced to this world where apparently no one knew about zombies before. Um, we are immediately brought to the moment that the outbreak first began somewhere out in uh, the desert you've got a couple a newlywed couple that's very in love and drinking and they happen to crash um, into a military convoy that is transporting a person that is infected with whatever contagion causes this virus um, yeah you know classic story crash boom um zombie crawls out unsuspecting humans get bit and the you know the the plague begins and it happens to spread and break out in Las Vegas first, which is, you know, immediately overtaken um, until the country just sort of quickly um, cordons it off. I'm not entirely familiar with how Las Vegas is set up, but I was like, you mean to tell me that a little, a few, a few shipping containers kept all of the zombies inside? Sure, yeah. sure, 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 sure. Um, but what's, what's really wild about this movie is that you are shown that these things are fast and brutal and deadly just the way all modern zombies are. But then once the infection is contained within Las Vegas, humanity essentially goes back to normal. And that was something that I was really surprised by because the, I don't know, the, the, the premise is basically Dave Bautista, who stars as, um, goodness, I'm forgetting the, the Scott, the, I think his name is Scott Ward, maybe? I'm kind of forgetting his name. You, you honestly, I couldn't, other than Dieter at this point and Vanderhoe, <laughs> I can't name any of these characters. But basically, Dave Bautista stars as... Um, an ex-mercenary who is living a life of drudgery um, to support his estranged daughter. And he's just, you know, sort of chilling and being like, wow, I hate working. Um, and it, until he's approached with a proposition by a billionaire offering him uh, the chance of a lifetime to make some quick, easy cash by going into Las Vegas and recovering a bunch of money that's hidden in a casino that has been <laughs> infested with zombies. And that, you know, it's a simple enough story, but I remember initially hearing about this and thinking to myself, um, if there are zombies, who cares about money? And the movie's like, no, 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 there are zombies. They're just here, which is, I don't, I'm not sure how I'm not, I'm still not entirely sure how I feel about that as a as a plot point, because it does sort of feel like making an excuse in order to make the movie work. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a few uh, rudimentary things that make zombie movies uh, work nowadays. And one of them, one of like, I think the three things that I could name of what works for these zombie movies is a what the mission is of the mm -hmm. zombie movie. All zombie movies are often very mission based um, with having to. Uh, achieve something amidst the fact that zombies exist um sometimes that 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 mission is just to survive mm -hmm. um but often it's usually like a point a to point b kind of thing you know it's like uh uh in this one it's like get the money and get out and that kind of thing in train to busan it's you know get you know off the train away from the zombies somehow um, get to busan <laughs> get to busan that essentially you know survive the train right um and yeah i agree it, it this one didn't do so well at i think creating a you know a fire under the the you know under the butts of the characters that made sense um i think one issue i had with uh if, if, if one of the negative things i have to say about the film in general was that it, it it was it had a fair amount of plot holes that made it kind of distracting it was a little bit too convenient of a movie and at the, throughout the whole time where you, instead of like giving the viewers like myself, like this immersive experience, it just spent too much time going like, 
Wait, how or wait, why? Why? And so you're like, you're naming like one of the main big ones. It was like, hey, so I need you to get in there and get my money. It's like, why? Why? That $200 million is actually not that much. It's just uh, not. Not at the risk of like, you know, the apocalypse. And that's something that also there, there are these very vague nods or um, gestures towards how the rest of the country is dealing with the presence of zombies. Right. So after this, now I will say the this is something that Zack Snyder has always been very good at doing, like uh, pretty much across his films when he. When he decides to commit himself to a montage that is actually trying to tell an important part of the story, he tends to be very good, right? So the first, um, oh, yeah. first you know, the first few moments of this, you do see a shot of a number of the main characters from the film um, at points in their lives when the outbreak was sort of like first, you know, when shit was first hitting the fan and you see what people all had to go through in order to get yeah. to the relative safety that they are at the beginning of the movie. And I was thinking to myself, like, all of these people, this is what these people have been through, right? You see people who... Um, they saw friends and family and loved ones die. Um, yeah. They had to do all kinds of insane, wild shit in order to avoid um, getting mowed down by zombies. Um, there's one shot in particular where you just see like a woman with a, it's not, I guess it's a Gatling gun, just sort of like, you know, clearing a wall of zombies as Dave Batista ducks down. And the visual is very striking. There's a lot of really striking visuals in this, but it's just like, oh, what's stuck with these people? But as the movie starts, the answer is apparently nothing, right? Because it's like a little bit of money. You throw, you know, you toss a little bit of money in everybody's faces and they're like, yeah, sure. I'll walk into a dead city full of ghouls. And yeah, I do think that that sort of, um, that sort of, hole in everyone's characterization is something that the movie is trying to posit as being a part of its message about humanity, right? Um, if you go back to Night of the Living Dead, um, that particular take on zombies, which, you know, George Romero did not create, but that particular character, uh, that take on that kind of creature um, was a part of um, commentary on like American consumerism, right? And that's a... Was that's it Night of the Living Dead or was it Dawn of the Dead? Uh, Night of the Living Dead was the very first. Oh, but the, but the one... Was Lion Living? Sorry, I'm totally detracting from it, but I, I I thought Dawn of the Dead was one that took place in the the mall. Dawn of the so I'm jumping around right now. I'm trying okay. I'm trying I'm contextualizing this within the larger. Canon. It's very <laughs> confusing when you've got your like your uh, of the dead as your like your naming convention. I I have a hard time keeping any of them. That's why we're going through it, right? But Thank so you. this right the newer so the, uh, where was I? Dawn of the sorry Night of the Living Dead. Um, you know, very much a film that is a like a critique of consumerism um in sure. a way that's an idea that does eventually get expanded upon in um both dawns of the dead right both okay, films that were set in malls right the, okay. the idea becomes a lot less subtle there um right. and what this film i think is trying to do is get at the idea that like oh capitalism is evil right um or rather that particular kind of like pointed capitalism where it's like oh do you just want to get a huge influx of cash that'll elevate you above the people around you would you risk yeah. your life for that and that that's an interesting idea but because of the way that that, you know, that comes pretty early in the movie and because it doesn't really, you're not really shown what all money would do to change everybody's lives all right. that much because it's like, oh, it's not even that having a lot of money is the way, is the only way that you can afford to live in relative safety at this point in time, right? The zombies yeah. aren't really a problem. They're all over there. And so it's like, yeah. oh, so you just want to go be rich in the rest of the world, which understandable, but like, again, just wants a food truck. He just wants a food truck, but it's like, bro, go get a loan. There's, there's, like, <laughs> like it did feel weirdly enough, like, um, right? Even you and you nailed it. Scott Ward was was his name, but even yeah. his dream wasn't that big. No, and like, and weirdly enough, the fact that that's what he wanted to do brought me back to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and they're like, oh man, our boat, and it's like, okay, but like, how 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 much are you willing to risk your life for a food truck? Because that, bro, that doesn't make any sense. You as someone yeah. who has seen so much death. Um, but I think that this is a movie that does sort of only work if you give it the benefit of the doubt. And also because obviously the world building isn't the most important part. And the movie doesn't try to make any, it doesn't try to hide that fact from you, right? Once everyone is in Las Vegas, they're like, all right, hey, everyone, you know how zombies work, but these zombies are different than the Chun, 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 chun. You see, you know, you yeah. see, you see the zombified tiger. And then we are introduced to the alpha queen, who is one of the leaders of um, the organized zombies. They're not just smart. They've got a little, <laughs> they got a little kingdom growing inside the city. Yeah, which, which uh, is a nod to Day of the Dead, which was like, I think the third one of George Romero's, mm. um, where like first of the dead, they're, they're just mindless, you know, uh, killing machines and then 
The second one, can't remember the name of it, they start getting a bit more like they can be taught like uh, basic tasks. Mm -hmm. Right. So there have been movies where you see humans interacting with zombies and doing experiments on them to see if um, how much basic motor functions they still retain, if they're still capable of thought. And that is something that you do see over the course of Romero's um, original three zombie films um, that was really interesting and sort of novel for the zombie concept at the time. And in this movie, you do see that taken to um, the next level, I guess. You know, for a long time, fast zombies, like that was the scary thing. To bring it back to uh, uh, Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, there's that one shot at the beginning where it's a kid, it's a a zombified kid, right? A girl who's getting gotten beaten, gotten, gotten beaten, who's gotten bit (laughs) early in the morning and she like wanders up to a bunch of adults. And I specifically remember that there's a shot where the little girl goes sliding across the floor and does like a kung fu hop up. And that was mm-hmm. supposed to be the whole like, oh, these are different kinds of zombies. Look at how much um, hand-eye coordination they have. Right yeah. Now, it's not just that they have hand-eye coordination and can communicate through <laughs> gurgles and yells. but Roars. They can, <laughs> roars. But they also have a very clearly defined hierarchy and the ability to hunt beyond the fact that they can just sense out um heat in people they're making babies so that's so here's the thing so here's the thing let's um i mean i feel i feel like we've sort of already established that this movie is pretty simple and straightforward they get into las vegas they go to the casino if they follow the plan everything would have gone fine guess what they don't follow the plan things don't go fine (laughs) and so and, and all of those things are sort of um all of those things are pretty predictable, I will say. Um, aside from a few really, aside from a few really uh, gorgeous like action shots, there's that one where Vegas is being bombed, um, and you see the yeah. napalm going. It's it is it's horrible, but it is gorgeous. You know that sticks out. And there is one particular fight um, between Samantha Wynn as the actress and her character's name is Chambers, um, where she takes on a horde by herself in. A fight sequence that truly stunned me. I was not. I was not expecting to be so like okay. won over. I was like, "All right, you need to help explain this for me." Okay, uh, so there's a point. So we no, do. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, let me. I'll, I'm gonna pose my question, and you, yeah, and, you and, and you answer for me. So go ahead. Uh, I also, I thought you might have been setting up like we're gonna be talking spoilers about this movie. Oh no, this I, was, uh, I was. I was. I, oh, okay. I had not gotten finished. Uh, but I was going to say, aside from those things, the movie is all pretty, eh, except for this weird stuff with babies that we do need to get into because I do think that yeah. That should have been something that was expanded upon because it's like, oh, I see. Okay, sure, 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 well, sure, sure. That's I think where the the movie does something that I don't. It's it's a trend that I don't want to see anymore. Um, mm, but we can talk, talk about that. Me. But the Samantha Wynn thing. Okay, so Chambers, forget. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't she one of the two people in that like uh, Ocean's Eleven sequence at the beginning where they're all talking about what the heist is, and, and you know, uh, uh, Scott is telling Dieter like how to kill zombies he asks, who hasn't killed a zombie didn't she raise her hand <laughs> now i will say this just because chambers had not killed a zombie does not mean that she hadn't fought people before okay then that maybe would have helped me a little bit if there had been a little bit of like explanation of like why like if guzman had just said at some point oh she doesn't kill anybody but here's why i'm bringing this zombie you know uh, per, this zombie killing virgin who hasn't ever done that before uh, why I'm bringing her on her because she is the daughter of John Wick apparently because then when she's presented with zombies in a crowded you know closed in room environment the woman goes full gun kata on like 30 zombies and even when like up against a door that's locked finds a way around that and survives up until the point where everyone decides to just leave her you know to her devices and walk away and shoot the the gas tank on her back Sorry, that was just like, I was like, I didn't know why this woman is able to to fight zombies better than Neo. I will say, I mean, the main, main, main reason is that Samantha Wynn is a fantastic stunt actress. Um, she has done work in Wonder Woman. Um, she's done work in Justice League, uh, Mortal Kombat Legacy. This is very much her her wheelhouse. She did a very good job as an And actress. she did it, and it is a classic example of like, oh, look at you doing something that truly was not really written into the script whatsoever, but ultimately ended up making the film 10 times stronger than it would have been without, because honestly, I gotta say, were it not for her, you don't usually describe confrontations in zombie movies as fight sequences, but were it not for hers, I would say that this ended up being kind of, um, 
kind of a snooze fest in a sense where yeah. it's like um, the, the trailers do sort of try to lean into this idea of mercenaries in the land of excess. We're going to go for like a Thor Ragnarok vibe. But the movie is very, um, it's very tan. It's a lot of sand. It is a very it's Zack Snyder very film. Tan. You know, it's a <laughs> it very, is. it's a very Zack Snyder film that way. Um, and there's also a lot of focus, I think, on uh, or in a lot of emphasis on emotional beats um, that you don't normally yeah. expect from a zombie movie. Um Dave Bautista, uh, his character, Scott Ward, is just really going through it, dealing with uh, the loss of his wife and um, um, his daughter who, you know, uh, holds resentment towards him uh, because of how she died, um, which is something that you see in, I think you see that in the opening sequence, and it is very messed up. Not the opening sequence, but later on. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. I, there, there, you do see quite a few parent-children situations. There are a lot of, like, emotionally charged parent-children, like, scenes right where kids are ripped away from their parents kids and parents yeah. die together that kind of thing and so that is very much like that is an energy that's present here and while i understand i think what the story is going for it often feels like it is people standing around talking about things that they should be talking about outside of a zombie infected city you know yeah let's not talk about how like i'm sad that you didn't call you didn't ask me on a date while a nuke is on the way right let's just, let's, let's choose our time <laughs> This episode of The Real Canon is brought to you by HelloFresh. Sometimes meal planning and making dinner takes what feels like superhuman effort. But with HelloFresh, you can cut out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh sends fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes right to your door. It makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh uses the freshest ingredients sourced directly from growers and delivers them from the farm to you in under a week. Contact free, of course. Plus, HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than going to the grocery store and 72% cheaper than going to a restaurant. I recently made HelloFresh's flatbread vegetable pizza for me and my kids. It was a hit. Everybody loved it. Everybody ate a ton, but I kept the leftovers for myself. And if you tell my kids I eat the pizza without them, I will get in trouble. Please don't do that. So, Level up your dinner and go to HelloFresh.com slash Canon12 and use Canon12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's 12 free meals when you go to HelloFresh.com slash C-A-N-O-N 12 and use Canon12. Thank you for HelloFresh for supporting The Real Canon. One of the one of the more impressive things about the movie is how, um, in the wake of the sexual harassment allegations against Chris Delia, um, he was edited from the movie. He was pulled, and Tignataro was edited in to replace him. And oh, I did not read into the articles. I just kept seeing everything talking about how much money it took to put Tig into the movie. But that makes sense why they did that. It is full Tig doing her very best Tom Cruise Top Gun impersonation <laughs> with her aviators on, and you know her cut is fresh and aside from one particular oh, she's adorable and in, aside from one particularly um noticeable shot uh where they're talking um across a fence and you know it's that classic you know you don't see both people or both parties faces while they're talking it all works yeah. very well except i'm thinking of um Tignataro's role in the film she plays the pilot who needs to get everybody out and she's the one person who can fly um, a helicopter who uh, the helicopter that is you know, parked on top of the casino where they will get, hop in after they rob the bank and or rob the casino and fly out so it's all like all right everybody has their jobs and they have to go there's a whole exchange where they're just standing there and talking. And it's like, you guys, you guys, you need to go. And Tignataro's yeah. energy is very much like, I don't really know why we're standing around here. And at one point, she does sort of ditch them for a while. But it, I, 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 I'm I, in, in, trying, in trying to focus so hard on getting into the emotional complexities between Scott Ward and his kid. I feel like the movie doesn't do enough to sort of appeal to the audience that would respond to stories about parents, you know, people yeah. who get, you know, who get in their feelings about what they would do for their children in the apocalypse. Well, um, I mean, we, we, we named a, a, a movie already that did that so well, Train to Busan. Uh, mm, yes, like that's an entire, an entire movie that is based on that premise, but it understands that it can't just be like, my daughter doesn't like me and I really yeah. wish that she didn't. You know, it does sort of have to, 
I think what makes these what makes that particular dynamic in these stories work, right, is not just um, I need to protect my child, but it is uh, the parent straddling that balance between I need to protect my child and I am utterly terrified, right? I'm utterly terrified and I feel unprepared to deal with the situation at hand. Yeah. And something that kind of doesn't work about Scott Ward is that he is this hyper-competent, ultra-masculine man who at one point is literally running across slot machines much like Mario runs across, you know, yeah. um, bricks. And it's like, okay, dude, um, okay, all right. And yet we still are, we, <laughs> you're doing all this booking, yet we're not moving anywhere. I feel like there's a lot of running and talking, but there isn't a lot of moving in this movie, um, both in a literal sense and in like a, a narrative and emotional sense. And it feels, yeah. it often feels kind of like stuck except for in these moments where we do see glimpses of zombie culture. Um, Cause I do want to, I want to, I want to get into this and how it's sort of like, it almost feels a bit like an attempt to tap into the same kind of ideas present in uh, movies like the girl with all the gifts and kind yeah. of like the resident evil franchise, a little tiny teeny bit um, towards the end. Um, we talked about the queen earlier, but I feel like we need to get a little bit more into <laughs> the queen and her, her partner, Zeus, the yeah, two, the two I, alpha zombies. I think there's a strength and a weakness in uh, what Zach was doing with this movie. Because this movie is, is setting up an extended franchise. Yes. Um, and when you, do, when you make a movie with that, with that intent in production... Um, then that can bleed into the movie itself and it can feel like you're watching an advertisement for other things as mm. opposed to watching something that was, you know, made just to be this movie. Right. Um, and Zach, I think, did that throughout this entire movie where he left things unanswered, like some sort of episode from Lost. And then the movie ends and we're like, oh, I need to watch supplemental content that's not out yet in order to get my answers. Mm -hmm. That's that's not cool, my dude. Um, Especially because a lot of the un, a lot of the unanswered questions they don't always feel like purposefully unanswered questions. Sometimes they right. do come across like this is an idea that you didn't think all the way through, and it happens to be cool enough yeah. to work. Great example is when they get into Las Vegas right away. They got huh. their 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 girl who is their guide and she's teaching them about the stuff coyote, and she's like yeah. look look at all these piles of dried up dead zombies the that but uh don't get too close because if it rains they'll come alive and it's like setting up for like oh is there gonna be like a rain sequence later and it's gonna be really no nope. right 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 nothing ever happens ever again no rain and it's like oh like oh you're you're veering very close because that was a that was a whole sequence from the first season of the walking dead where they first realized that they got to wash the crap off and it's like we're gonna do something very similar in that space but slightly different and it's like cool sure. dehydrated zombies that's so there's a there's an imaginative idea and then nothing yeah and same with like there's moments where like some of the zombies have like glowing blue eyes and almost like robotic stuff inside of them or something inside of them that was like glowing blue couldn't tell what it was but it was only a few so i don't but we never explained we never explained why it's never explained and i just finished writing about this and so i think i have an idea of what it is but obviously it. because it's never explained there is no right answer um You're, you have so a theory. uh I have a theory. I have a theory. Um, at one point, at multiple points of the movie, you do see zombies um, that have like very bright glowing eyes. Um, and it stands mm -hmm. out in a way that it's like, oh, um, you will recognize it from every other genre movie that has mystical energy. And you're like, oh, this is the source of whatever it is that is causing the zombies to reanimate. Um, it's never established. I don't think whether or not it's just uh, a virus or a fungus or what have you. But presumably it has something to do with this glowing. I mean, it comes out of Area 51. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and you, I, aside from a couple of zombies in the background having it in their eyes, in shots um, that aren't particularly important, it really is just like there happens to be a zombie in the background and its eyes are blue where the rest are, you know, they have no light in them at all. Um, yeah. The light, you know, it's very unevenly used to the point of seeming like something that if the movie had been given another pass in an editing stage, it might've been added in a little bit more to give it more significance. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that because towards, so as the movie progresses, right, um, the humans eventually do end up capturing and decapitating the queen. Take her head, head still stays alive, and the body is left there. 
Um, when Zeus comes across the body, he understands that something has happened to the queen and he's very sad about it. Um, but rather than leaving her, he takes her back to, you know, his zombie lair with all of his, um, with all of his, uh, supplicant zombies. His harem. And, <laughs> and, uh, he, I, 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 I was, I, I'm still not quite sure how to describe it. He delivers his, you know, un quote unquote born child from the queen's corpse. It's very messed up and a direct callback to uh, Snyder's 2004 Dawn of the Dead, where there was another zombie birth um, in very similar circumstances. Um, but whereas that zombie baby just came out looking like a baby that was also a zombie and scary, you know, yellow eyes and sharp yeah. teeth. Um, this baby comes out looking very much like a normal baby, normal, you know, in that it's not mutated or anything, but um, it is glowing blue, you know, and it's not yeah. just like, oh, it's blue because it's been starved of oxygen. It is that like otherworldly light emanating from you blue that very quickly fades to red in a way that is difficult to interpret. Um, yep. You know, there's so much, there's so many questions there. It's like, oh, was it a situation where unlike regular zombies where the body ceases to function once the head is, you know, uh, removed, the queen's body was still in a way gestating their baby, right? It could be that. It could be that, you know, the baby was just able to survive. There's, you know, there's no explanation, but it does feel like yeah. a very purposeful moment um, because as the light fades from the baby, Zeus starts to scream and mourn. And you're like, oh, okay, so um, beyond the basic, like, I love my children, was this supposed to be the beginning of, like, their plan? You know, they are yeah. trying to create... Um, not just more smart zombies like them, but a new breed of humanoid yeah. that has all of their shtick going on. If that was sort of like, I can almost see a version of this movie where the humans end up making it to the casino in a really easy way because the zombies are preoccupied. You know, they're yeah. like, oh shit, we finally got like this pregnancy thing. We finally figured this out. And that needs to be where all of our focus needs to be. Um, sure, sure. But instead, it's uh, the baby turns red and Zeus is like, um, my baby. And then, <laughs> you know, it essentially becomes uh, a chase where the zombies go after the humans. And like you were saying earlier, this is going, you know, this is the first um, in the new franchise. There's going to be a prequel to this movie and then uh, an anime inspired series after that. Yeah, um, that's that's interesting. Um, but in a world where The Walking Dead exists, um, I, I, the question is like, all right, well, what new is there to bring to, what new is there to bring to this kind of space that isn't being brought from all other ends right now? Because zombies are overexposed and they have been for quite a while. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the baby thing is really interesting because that, uh, that gives you that glimpse of the girl with all the gifts where it's like, like, let's wholly reimagine what a zombie story is. Right. And see, that's 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 what I was getting out of the of like talking about like where it's a weakness and a strength. Where if if you're going to make this kind of a movie that's set in a this is a genre genre movie, and it is immediately going to play in the same space as all the other movies that have come before it, and it's going to be you know compared and 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 contrast and everything like that. And so often with these genre films, you got to come with some sort of new angle mm -hmm. or or new not even just a new story but a new um all kinds of new like a new origin story of why these are zombies you know even new powers to the zombies i think and so I, I get that he was he was trying to do it and yeah girl with all the gifts is a great example of a whole new way of looking at the zombies it's kind of like a little bit of that that fungal zombie kind of thing same as like uh, uh, uh last of us and that kind of thing um and I got interested when we got into the Vegas uh, lot and we got introduced to the queen. Who looks a lot like Wanda Maximoff. We see the, we see yeah, the headdress. Yeah, she's very witchy. <laughs> um, I liked that. Uh, I liked the tiger. I thought the tiger uh, uh, killing that guy sequence was one of the, the more fun sequences in the in the. Movie. It was because you know what? There's nothing more satisfying than when someone who deserves to die dies in a zombie movie. Oh, yeah. it's It's the same as like the clever girl sequence in Jurassic Park. It's oh, guy, totally, you know, totally. Getting, that kind of thing. This episode of The Real Canon is brought to you by the Rooster Teeth store. So the store has something big going on this week. I hope you have seen it. If not, giving you a heads up, there's a massive Pride merch drop that they just released. Um, and what's great about it is that a portion of the proceeds are being donated to Out Youth, which is an organization that supports LGBTQIA plus in central Austin. Um, it is the store's biggest, most expansive pride drop ever. There is literally something for just about everyone. 
Um, the brands included in the in the Pride merch uh, drop include uh, Rooster Teeth, Ruby, Achievement Hunter, uh, Jeffline, Barbline, Funhouse, kind of funny. Um, I've got my eye on this Achievement Hunter reversible jacket that I kind of hoping to get soon. Um, so uh, you can get that. You can get T-shirts, hoodies, hats, uh, tons of more from your favorite Rooster Teeth shows and brands right now. It's May, so maybe head on over to Rooster Teeth store. That's store.roosterteeth.com to start shopping right now. I was wholly interested in this world that Zach was building because yeah, like I was like, oh, the queen's interesting and like, oh, there's, there's alphas and, and there's, there's a reason why some of the zombies are fast and why some of them are just slow and called shamblers and that kind of thing. And then when she, uh, died uh, or when the guy got her head and was like, we're going to make weapons from her. I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting as well. Um, it's a little bit of, you know, Jurassic world Raptors being the, the, the weapons but still it's fun and then the baby gets pulled out and i was like oh okay this is interesting but then there's no payoffs to any of it mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and that that gets me kind of bummed um i'm not going to totally pan the entire movie because of that but it definitely does take me out and 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 detracts from the movie as well a whole. i think the, i think the reason why though is because by the end of the movie all of that is presumably blown up right um, right. You know, by the end, uh, an, 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 an added layer of urgency is added um, by the U.S. government being like, we told you we were going to bomb the city tomorrow. JK, it's going to be bombed today. And it's like, OK, that's another convenient bit of writing. But it also yeah. erases all of this interesting <laughs> world. It's also it, it, it erases all this interesting world building that's happening in Vegas. Watching this, I was thinking to myself, it would have been so much more interesting, I think, to watch people escaping from las vegas and you know yeah. sort of and the distraction being hey we have a plan to get out what if we make a detour through a casino to try to be rich yeah. when we make it out you know because yeah. then that's I, I every it is the problem with most modern zombie mo or uh, monster movies the moment you start to try to care about the people too much it's like yeah. mm, i don't know like the cards are already stacked against you and all these monologues aren't really making the case for you but like hey you know um there's the border have you guys seen these glowing things in the dark at night no just me like that yeah. to me that to me is sort of a way to not only tease out this you know uh, these monsters within this specific movie but establish like what may be what, what more there may be out there um, yeah he, he it's like it's like it's like zach built a world that works but shot it from the wrong angle yeah 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 and i'm curious you know uh, as, as is always the case with zombies right there are, there are always more um and this is left with um an open end that makes it clear that the infection does survive though las vegas does fall um but i guess my question is so what, you know, to what end um, beyond uh, beyond the public's insatiable appetite for these kinds of stories? Um, I don't know. I, I, I came away from this. I was I had fun watching it. It's not it's it, it definitely I don't think it was a, a bad movie or something that I was, you know, I felt was a waste of time. But it definitely isn't something that I think is going to stick with me for the reasons that it wants to. This is sort of like, a oh, there's so much potential here. Um, yeah. And potential isn't always the, the note you want to strike with the right. opening, with the opening debut of a franchise. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, a movie like that is like the same as like a TV series where it's like people have to tell you later. And it's like, oh yeah, the first season sucks. But if you can get through the first season, the movie gets really good after that or the, the TV show gets really good after that. And while that might be the case, uh, we're living in the time when we're all we have is the first season of this TV show to watch. And, uh, I, I, I don't know if, um, I care for more of this world. If it's going to be just kind of the same, um, the same act of just not really uh, giving me full fulfillment of, of the, these questions you're posing. Hmm. Um, I, I gotta, you know, I think you gotta keep it simpler and, uh, maybe don't let Zach write all of his films. Maybe just like he's, 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 a, I think he's a, he's a fine director. Um, in, in many instances, not all the time, but I, I find most often, if you look at his filmography, when you let Zach write, um, then, someone someone needs to monitor that boy someone just needs to be in the room while he's writing and 
and maybe when he's editing as well. We've mentioned this before, but um, I don't actually, we, we mentioned that it's streaming on Netflix, but this is one of the first movies that is coming back to theaters as well as getting a Netflix drop a week later. Um, oh, wow. And I think that, weirdly enough, as much as I don't think that this is the kind of movie that I would have gone to go see in theaters, I do think that it's a perfect Netflix movie, you know? Um, yeah. It's a movie that I think is going to get better with time. Like, once the other things come out, like, once the series launches and it has, I can, ima- I can easily imagine, like, the new series popping off. And then, you know, once people blow through, you know, the eight to ten episodes, getting that little pop-up that's like, hey... Would you like to check out Army of the Dead? And if that, yeah. I can imagine if that was my first experience to this universe, that would be like, oh, sure. It's Saturday afternoon and it's raining outside. Why not? Yeah, I'll agree. There, There is that that entry point that kind of gets a little bit lowered when it's just like, well, I'm just, I can just watch it at home on my Netflix thing. But I, I don't think that should be an excuse for not shooting to uh, exceed people's expectations with your final product. Mm. Um I, I think that's a, a scary trend to uh, continue with. I wrote down in our notes that like, I feel like that might be the case with some of like these series that Netflix is putting out where they're just, they're passable, you know? And like, like I watched through all of Jupiter's legacy and that's a very passable series that I don't really care if a second season comes out. Um, same with shadow and bone. I don't think I even finished shadow and bone. Cause I just kind of got a little bit bored mm-hmm. and, I'm not saying that if you liked these series that you're an idiot. I'm saying that just personally, I felt like they, there was, again, a lot of potential. Like, I think these things come out and it's like, oh, it's actually like, you're, there's a lot of potential and, and there's a lot of talent going behind making these things. And there's, there's obviously a lot of talented people working behind Army of the Dead because it's not, it's not an ugly movie. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's like a wholly poorly paced movie. And uh, it's got some pretty fun performances for some of the people. We talked about Tig Notaro. I think Dieter and Vanderhoe's relationship was also fun. Mm. Um, Vanderhoe being the guy at the end. Um, and, uh, but I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm a guy who's just like, I really want to watch stuff that's, that's amazing. And, uh, and I do like zombie movies and like some of my favorites are, I've named in this. And I kind of was hoping that, army you know what i really wanted army of the dead to be i wanted to be a little to 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 lean into i think a tone that it was setting at the beginning of the movie that it just wholly uh abandoned later on was being just a a little bit more fun a little bit more silly like i think that at one point zach thought he was going to make something that was a little more parody and 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 humorous Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but then opted to try to like what you're saying like uh shoehorn in a lot of these very dramatic monologue moments or dialogue moments which can work which i think i I totally think you're right because i just i every time i look at the poster i think to myself oh what if zombie land and thor ragnarok had a baby sure i'd see that but even like the even the, like the opening montage sequence is like is humorous, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 horrific, but it is humorous, and I think that that weirdly enough, even though that is literally the the kind of energy that Zombieland is going for, the degree to which Zombieland does play for just like ha ha's, um, it, it puts it firmly in that Shaun of the Dead space as opposed to something yeah. that like sticks with me as something that you know fucks me up a little bit, and I think that this could have worked as being something more akin to that, but also took its, um, took its stakes a little more seriously. Um, but that's not, that's not to say that that might not become the tone of these, um, of this franchise as it goes forward. But here it does feel sort of like a, what if, and then people got distracted halfway through. <laughs> it's, it's, it's these, they, they, yeah, they just got distracted while they were working on it. And then, and then, and then they all got distracted with having to remove an entire actor from the movie. And so, <laughs> that that takes a lot of effort and time and i, I understand it. that um i i you know i'm going to check out army of thieves um I, you know obviously it, it, when it comes out I'll, I'll at least give it a chance and and i'd wouldn't i would i'm i'm, I'm probably not going to say completely no to a sequel just to see like what happens with vanderhoe um but i think you nailed it we're like this was something that survived on netflix and i don't know if it would have been something that could have stood the test of time if it just been out in theaters only mm. so yeah I, I guess that's that's part of the movie space we're living in is where like there's a little bit less of a buy-in when you can just stream something to someone's home as opposed to making them make this big commitment of leaving their home and buying <laughs> tickets and food and and sitting still in a dark theater no one gets to pull their phone out and and play anything while they're watching the movie and so 
um, you can kind of get away with a little bit more when it's like it's just it's just on Netflix. You know, you can pause it and come back later. You know. <laughs> All right, let's do some head cannons for some fun let's. and uh, and finish this out. So I, I'm I'm kind of taking a little bit of angle, a different angle with uh, some of the head this head cannon that I wanted mm. to talk about was uh, uh, particularly this the, the zombie films are a genre uh, series and. I'm curious if in your head, these genre films benefit more from constant experimentation in the form of like just a lot of movies being put out there with a, from a bunch of different people all trying their best at it, or it should we kind of like almost return to this, uh, this pattern I think might've been more prevalent in the past where genres took like breaks and people, we just stopped seeing part of those, uh, those movies for a bit. And then some interesting person came back with an interesting take on it, and then everybody starts making them again. Like, what what do you think helps these genres better? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the thing is, we live in a world where we're all hyper aware of what the studios are working on, um, and that you know did not used to be the case. People did not used to, to read the trades to figure out who had been cast in what that was going to be coming out in five six years. It's true. Um, and so, when you do that, you do become hyper aware of. You know what move studios are making and once a movie does become popular studios are inclined to sort of chase that money um i said earlier zombies are overexposed there's too many zombies on tv and movies it's like oh wow you've never heard of zombies before don't get bit oh no you got bitten oh how sad <laughs> um and so well I, I i don't know that you know oh no more zombie movies or programs is the move um because their popularity is a reflection of the fact that there are quite a lot of people who like them right yeah um i think that it is incumbent upon people like you and i who feel as if zombies are a little overplayed right now to you gotta take a step back you know um this is just what happens when you watch a lot of the same kind of movie over sure. and over and over again. Um, and, you know, the crucible that gives birth to really interesting takes on the concept, like The Girl with All the Gifts, which was a novel before it was a movie. Um, that, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it is something that came out of, you know, a relatively recent part of this moment, right? It's, the, it, it, it's a story that existed um, alongside all the other zombie movies and series. And it just so happens to have been really interesting. And, you know, as fans of the genre, the work that we have to do is to keep an eye on the space, you know, be like, what's happening, what's going on, you know, watch a trailer here and there. Um, but also understand that when these things don't live up to our expectations, it's not always a sign of, um, creative failure. Sometimes it's just like, you know, you are consuming too much of this and maybe you should take a break. That being said, I do think that the whole, um, I do think that the, uh, for me personally, the whole, the protagonists don't know what to do. Oh God, how boring, you know, because as much as I do think that in the same way that superhero movies, um, on paper are trying to become a little more interesting because a lot of the language of superheroes, um, in terms of how their stories and origins work is something that the general public is more familiar with now. Um, zombie movies are so much a part of the culture that the whole, you just woke up and you don't know what's happening. That conceit I think is becoming less and less appealing, which is why you get, um, I think that's part of the reason that we got fast zombies in the first place. Where it's like, all yeah. right, like if you can't see what's happening with these slow zombies, that's on you. And now it's like, well, they're running after you. So maybe they got you by surprise. But now at this late stage, it's like, look, if you saw somebody yelling and screaming and running at you, would you just stand there? I hope not. <laughs> and so the movies have to figure out a way to sort of counteract that um, suspension of disbelief gap. And I don't know that I don't know what the answer is exactly. You know, I don't think that put magic in it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that that's because <laughs> I do feel like that's oftentimes with the, the industry's response is like, all right, put a zombie leg or put a robot leg on it and that'll make it interesting. It's like, no, 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 no. You got to give me a little bit more. I don't know. What about you? Like, what, what do you, what do you want out of these things? Like, do you think that we need to just like take a step back for a while? And, and if so, pivot to what? Yeah, I, I do feel a little bit called out and like uh, saying that I just need to not consume so much stuff. Yeah, just don't that's watch probably, it. It's okay. Probably true. It's probably true probably true um yeah i i i i think a part of me thinks that sometimes these genres taking a break would benefit the audience uh really well because then if something comes back and it's a little bit fresh you know you think about like how excited everybody was when like spider-man the the toby mcguire one came out Mm -hmm. you know it we we weren't being dished out 
a new uh, superhero movie every, you know, three times a year. And so Spider-Man comes out and we're all just like going crazy about it. But at the same time, the the constant experimentation is where we can get movies like Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm, is a is mm-hmm. an indie film made by a director who wanted to take a different angle at at zombies and and in uh, take a different angle at even like comedy films and that kind of thing. Um, and that's and 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 that was like that's the reason why we basically have Edgar Wright now making the movies he's making. Um, and so there it's, it's, it's probably a mixture of, I think what you said of just like, you know, as audience members being a little bit more discernible with what we're consuming and slowing it down. And then also, you know, continue to create a space where people can experiment with these genres and come out with quirky, weird takes on them, um, that, um, can refresh the genre, you know, um, don't, I don't know. What if we had a zombies with magic? What would that look like? Oh god, no, no. Give the zombies magic. Uh, uh, Can you imagine like zombie necromancers and it's just like this is our culture and it's like okay, all right. Well, I I, you know what uh, would be you know what actually would be a little bit fun for them to do is if someone were to actually adapt Marvel zombies. Oh, Uh, no, 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 no. No one needs superhero zombies. Absolutely not. Keep that in the comics uh, where they belong. It's a lot. It's a lot to read the series. It it gets dark fast. Want to see um, Quicksilver bite thirty people? No, I don't. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. It, it 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 gets like because uh, because Marvel Zombies takes that idea of like well it, it means a lot more when the people getting murdered mean something to the audience and it does that with all these superheroes that mean something to the audience. I'm sorry. And is that is that what you get out of those stories? I always assumed. Well, that, wouldn't it be cool to see super powered zombies kill people? That's it's it's both those where it's cool to see them with superpowers, but it's also it's even you you already have like that emotional connection to these uh these characters that are being killed by the zombies and so then that's where it gets like darker and sadder so much faster than other stories where you have to like learn to you know why do i like this dad that's stuck on a train you know okay (laughs) (laughs) let's let's end this episode Oh my god. Okay, that brings this episode of The Real Canon to a close. If you liked what you heard, and we know you did, be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss a single show. We've got new episodes coming out every Tuesday. And if this episode was your first time checking us out and you want to talk about more about what we covered today and let me know what you think about everything I just said at the end there about Marvel Zombies, you're going to want to uh, talk to us and check us out on uh, social. Go at Real Canon Pod on all the social spaces and uh, if you want to spend some time while you're there um, adding some friends who might also have some uh, thoughts on Marvel Zombies or just Army of the Dead in general um, we wouldn't say no to you adding some people so you, people learn about the show that'd be great yeah so get ready get hyped and we'll be back next week with more of the real canon <laughs>